Amen. You can be seated. I wore my official Father's Day shirt today. And what was so funny is I, early on, I went into the, the We Venture to the nursery to just say hello to my granddaughter who was in there. And their coloring sheet for today had Darth Vader on it. And it said, Happy Father's Day. I love it. Anyhow, Happy Father's Day. Uh, before we jump into that, um, in your worship folder is an outline with verses on it, an outline, um, some things to follow along and write down. Um, when I say Happy Father's Day, this is one of those days that's... I'm going to... Pause. Put that on pause for a minute. I'm going to say this again at the end, but if I don't say it twice, it doesn't always sink in. Today's Father's Day. That means baby bottle fundraiser. If you forgot and didn't turn yours in... We will be doing them this week, and we will be taking them in as we get them as much as possible, just in case, (laughs) but they will all go in. So this is the week that we bring those in. So anyhow, anyhow, I understand that when when somebody says Happy Father's Day, um, that there can be all kinds of thoughts go through a person's head. It might be because of um, uh, uh, the situation you find yourself in that you don't want to be in. It may be because you don't have the best... um, memories or recollection or or ideas of the whole father thing, maybe because of your father, maybe who knows what. Um, I understand there's mixed feelings for everybody. So um, in, I noticed that in the worship folder, um, Teresa put this, it was, I love this. T.D. Jake says, I want to congratulate all the men out there who are working diligently to be good fathers, whether they are stepfathers or biological fathers or just spiritual fathers. All of those things are incredibly important. So Um, With that in mind, instead of talking about dads right off, we're going to start by talking about kids. So we see kids play, we see kids running around doing things. Here's what I've noticed is I see kids, when they get together and they play, almost invariably, each one of them wants to be the leader. They want to be the hero. That's kind of how they're wired. That's what they want to do. I also notice that when kids get together, inevitably, they kind of want to be in control. I mean, they're already in control of the house. We know that. But in terms of playing with each other, they want to be in control. I also have noticed that they want it all to be fun. And they always want to win. Nobody says, let's play and can I be the loser this time? They usually don't do that. They want to be the one who wins. So kids, yes, kids struggle with all those things. It's also the exact same struggle dads have. We feel the same way. And so those of you who may not be dads, before you get too cocky, that's also true of men in general. They want to be the hero, the leader. They want to be in control. They want it to be fun. They want to always win. And, and ladies, you ain't getting off the hook just because it's Father's Day, because that's really true of everyone, whether we express it out loud or not, because as adults, we all have that same attitude. It's easy. That's kind of the, the bent, the default to have that attitude. We start to think that it's all about us. I know nobody here has ever thought that, that it's all about you. But when it's all about us, then here's what life becomes about. It becomes about being more important when it's about you. It becomes about being more in control when it's about you. It becomes about being more comfortable, 
Because if it's all about me, shouldn't this be a good experience? Shouldn't it be fun? Shouldn't I win? When we start thinking it's all about us and when we live for self, when we do that, we never get along as well with others. Relationships fall apart. Life falls apart. So today, what we're going to talk about today, this is for everybody. It's, it's Father's Day, but this is for everybody. Today, we're, we're, we're in this series, What's on Your Mind? That's what we're talking about. And we're looking at how to deal with how you feel because we have attitudes. We have things on our mind. How do you deal with those things if they're not what they should be? Um, and we've talked about how it's a choice. So today, we're talking about choosing humility when you feel like it's all about you. Choosing humility when you feel like it's all about you. The Bible has a ton of wisdom when it comes to humility. How do we change that whole scenario when we're thinking it's all about us? I want to read from a passage we've alluded to a little bit in the last couple weeks, but we're going to read a few more verses today. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 2 and starting in verse 1. And here's what it says. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ. Literally, that means united with him. That means you're a follower of Jesus. So right away, we know this passage is talking to people who have already stepped across that line and said, I'm trusting Jesus. And I I belong to him. I am united with him. So it appears that he's asking these questions. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? And there are times in everybody's life when people would say, well, I just don't feel that. It doesn't seem like there is. And he says, is there any comfort from his love? Is there any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? If those are questions, by the way, they are rhetorical questions. They're actually not questions. More literally, what this says is since, not if. Since there is encouragement from belonging to Christ. Since there is comfort from his love, since there is fellowship together in the Spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? In verse 2, he says, if that's true, and since that is true, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. He's writing to this church, and he says, agree wholeheartedly with each other. And by the way, that means like-minded But that means unity, not uniformity. Never are we commanded to all think alike, that we all have to think the same way, be the same way. Uh, You don't, for instance, political party is very important. It's becoming more and more important today. There's so many chasms and divisions over that. You have no idea what I believe about political party because I've never said that. We can be on opposite ends of things and still have a civil discussion and still love each other, and we can actually still be like-minded because it means unity, not uniformity. So he says that's what agreeing wholeheartedly with each other means. Then he says loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. That's what the church is supposed to be. If all of those first things are true, that there's encouragement from belonging to Christ, there's comfort from His love, there's fellowship together in the Spirit, our hearts are tender and compassionate, all those things should be true of us, then we can agree, we can love one another, we can work together with one mind and one purpose. And by the way, those commands, those appeals that He's making, there is only one way to obey those, and that's to be a part of a local church. 
there are so many Christians that say, I don't have to be a part of any one particular local church. I can float around. I can do this. I can do this. Then you can't obey these commands. Because these commands are about getting together and being the same thing, about fellowshipping together, about agreeing together, about being on mission together. That's part of the like 40 or 50 one another's in the New Testament that you have to be part of a church in order to obey those things. As always, these actions, these things we're talking about, stem from thoughts and attitudes inside us. These always start internally. And verse 3 sets that up for us. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better, which doesn't mean better. That's like we think better. It means more important. Think of others as more important than yourselves. By the way, verse 3 is like the opposite of the definition of social media. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of yourselves. Or th- I'm sorry, that's what it is. <laughs> Freudian slip there. Think of others as more important, as better than yourselves. Paul, when he says that, think of others as more important or better than yourselves, he is not talking about being codependent. Monday night, CR starts at, not, at 6, if that's an issue that you're struggling with, as many do. He's not talking about being codependent. That's actually, there's actually a fine line there. Um, but that's another reason why we are better together. Because we can see those things in each other and help point out those things in each other so that when we're doing what he asks us to do, it doesn't become the codependent thing. He start, it says in verse 4, Don't look out only for your own interests. And it's important that he says only because too many people think that this is all about, you know, thinking I'm dirt, I'm worm sweat, I'm only going to think about others. He doesn't say only think about others. He says don't look out only for your own interest. That means you can look out for your own interest. And there are times when we have to do that. But don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Because we see it all the time around here. It's, it's the first words of, of the Purpose Driven Life book. I told you when I was, got that thing at Saddleback last year, I went into the back room, and it's like it was so cool to be in the back room and to go through where all these amazing speakers have come through and all this amazing stuff has happened. And the very first thing you see when, the, when you walk in the door is giant letters across the back. And you only see that when you go in the back door. I hope you get to the back door someday. It's just really cool there. It says, it's not about you. And that's huge. He says, don't look out for your own interest. Take an interest in others too, because that's what we have to do. And here's a verse we've been reading every week so far. You must have, this is not an option, as followers of Jesus, because that's who he's writing to, here's what you have to have. And by the way, have, we we do this all the time here. Have, Have, the verb tense of have means this is ongoing. This is a lifestyle. This is not something you're going to choose this and you got it now. This is something you're going to have as a lifestyle for the rest of your life. You have to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Attitude is inner. It's something inside. Um, The word is phreneo, if you need to know that, because um, there's a root word is friend there, and that's where we get the English word diaphragm, like diaphragm. You, you don't see your diaphragm. It's inside. But your diaphragm is something inside that regulates something outside that's very important. It's called breathing. 
and it starts inside. And when he says the same attitude, that's an inner mindset that regulates an outward behavior. So we take what was Jesus' inner mindset that regulated his outward behavior? If we have to have, on an ongoing basis, the same attitude that Jesus had, we've said this every week so far. I haven't told you what the attitude was, though. I just read the verse. Paul explains it in terms of the incarnation. And about half of you right now are saying, I don't know what that word means that he just said. (laughs) Incarnation means, carnal is the Greek word for flesh. Incarnation literally means the enfleshment. It's when God became man. When God took on flesh and became man. We celebrate that at Christmas. He became one of us, the God-man Jesus. Here's what verse 6 says, talking about Jesus. We want to know what attitude he has. Though he was God, Jesus existed. John 1 tells us he existed before the foundations of the world. Colossians 2 tells us the same thing. Jesus is the Son of God. He is also God. And though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. I'm going to briefly explain that in just a moment. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, literally a bond servant, and was born as a human being. These are two of of the toughest verses to to completely understand. Um, I don't think we will completely understand them. I'd like to say until we stand before Jesus and see him face to face, and I'm not even sure we'll completely get it then. It's very easy to misinterpret this, but it's very important because this is the attitude Jesus had. This is the attitude we're commanded to have. He was God. He did not think equality with God as something to cling to. I want to read to you from a commentary, a couple commentaries I actually put together here. Um, It says, though possessing full deity, when it says he was God, it means all of the fullness, literally all of the fullness of God existed in Jesus bodily. Not just part of it. He wasn't like part God. It said all the fullness of God existed in Jesus bodily. Though he possessed full deity, he did not consider his equality with God as something, and it translates it here to be grasped or held onto, and that almost makes it sound like, oh, I got to hang on to that because that's what we do. That's not what it means at all. What it means is he didn't consider it as something to be held onto, to be grasped, something to be used for his own advantage. That's what it means. It means he didn't exploit his equality with God for selfish ends. He, he allowed them to do what they did to him, even though he was God, and, and at his word, literally, they would all just have ceased to exist. But he chose not to. He didn't exploit that equality with God for his own advantage, or in other words, he didn't hesitate to set aside the self-willed use of deity when he became a man. It was about his attitude. As God, he had all the rights of deity, and yet during his incarnate state, while he walked around here on earth, he surrendered his right to manifest himself visibly as the God of all splendor and glory. That's who he was, and he could have done that, and he chose not to. Instead, it says, one so glorious and powerful did the unexpected. He took on the form of a slave. 
That's what he did. That's what he chose to do. He chose to do that to submit himself to the Father. He chose to do that for you. That's the attitude that Jesus had. And so when Paul writes, it's not about you, when he says, here's what you have to do, have the same attitude as Jesus, that's the attitude. It goes on, it says, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. He didn't have to. He had the power not to do that. But he displayed a kind of humility that Paul is saying, that's what you have to have. There can't be any trace at all of pride in you. You have to be humble. Because when he did that, when Jesus did that, he wasn't less than he was before. He didn't become less when he became man. He was fully God and fully man, and I don't understand that. But I trust it. I believe it with all my heart. I actually had a difficult time when we were singing that song. Um, I point to you. Remember, we just sang that a few minutes ago. When people ask me, you know, how this all happened, I point to you. And we always do this. It's like, point to you. And it's like I'm sitting there thinking, well, but Jesus is right here. But if I said, when I ask where all this comes from, I point to you and I did this, you would think something completely different of me as I pointed here. But that's what so many people do. How'd you get where you're at? Mm, you know, they don't understand what it means to humble themselves. The pride comes out. It's, it's wired into us because of sin, because we're broken. It's the reason that Satan fell was because of pride. And humility is so much more important than we can ever understand. Jesus, fully God and fully man, but he displayed ultimate humility. Because of that, in verse 9, it says this. Because of him displaying that humility, in verse 9, therefore, remember whenever you see therefore, you go back and see what it's there for. Therefore means because Jesus displayed that humility, God elevated him to the place of highest honor. And gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We know that will happen someday. But there will be extremely different attitudes among the people who do that. Because you can do that because you've chosen to do it now. To say that, Jesus, I bow at your name, you are Lord. We do that now, or everyone will do it someday. And when they do it someday, they won't be ushered into the presence of God to spend eternity with Him, because they made that choice here. But everyone will do it one day, and that's because He displayed that humility. See, humility, we think of humility too often incorrectly. It's one of the most important characteristics that you can have. Humility isn't diminishing your own value or worth. Too many people think it's about just making, putting yourself down. It's not diminishing who you are or your value. You are of ultimate value because Jesus became a man and died for you. That's how important you are. What it is, is it's simply shifting the focus from your need for control, from your need for comfort, to the betterment of others. That's what humility is. 
I've quoted this all the time here. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's just not thinking about yourself all the time. And the way we do that, we think less of others because we think less of ourselves because we think more of others. And we spend less time thinking about ourselves because we're thinking more about others. It's not an assessment or estimation, you know. I'm no good. Yes, you are. Jesus thinks you are. But that's not what humility is. Humility is about attention and awareness, about mindfulness. It's really about sharpening our senses to what's going on around us and what people are experiencing around us. Because the bottom line is, when we are prideful, when we don't have the humility, we, it's all about us, and we forget about everybody else around us. And the truth is, we were not made to do this alone. We are better together. We do it together. We have relationships. You have three relationships that you absolutely have to have healthy in your life. No matter who you are, you have to have these three relationships healthy in your life. This is what's on your notes. God wants you to have healthy relationships with others by being more others aware. What that means is you're... You're mindful of others. You're not thinking about yourself all the time. You're thinking about others. You're more others aware. You're valuing people. It's like we talked about last week. You're looking at somebody, and instead of looking down at them, you're looking at them, realizing they're where they at because they, they're where they at because they have a story too. And we don't always know what it is. But we have to be concerned about them. We value people. We value the pain and suffering that people go through. Whether someone else caused it or they caused it, it doesn't matter. They're going through it. And we have to be concerned about them. And so because we're concerned about them, we look for ways to alleviate that pain and suffering of other people. We're not always focused on what can I do to be more comfortable. We're seeing other people and what they're going through and what can I do to help them. And we live to cause other people to flourish. And here's what, here's what the result of that is. Not only do you help all the people in your sphere of influence, but you yourself get helped. When you focus on what can I do to make me more comfortable because I like to do this because this is more fun for me, and when it's all about me, here's what I will tell you. When you get to the end of your life, you realize, I was never happy, even though I spent my whole life trying to make myself happy. But when you spend your life for others, you'll realize happiness is a byproduct of that. Joy can be a byproduct of that. You could be meeting somebody else's needs, and for, for that moment, you're not thinking about your own. So God wants you to have healthy relationships with others by being more others aware. Here's a second relationship. God wants you to have a healthy relationship with yourself by being more self-aware. I want you to be very careful with this. This is not like New Age mumbo-jumbo, all right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm more self-aware. That's not what it is. Here's what it is. It's asking questions like, is my pride in check? I want to be aware of who I am and what I'm doing. Because just because I don't see it doesn't mean everybody else doesn't see it and it's causing a problem and it's not leading people to the kingdom. Am I aware of what I'm doing and how I'm projecting and what my attitudes really are? Is my pride in check? I need to be aware of that. I need to be aware of things like, am I living in proper rhythm? 
because there, there's a rhythm to grace. We, I, I've read this for you many times from the message. Remember when Jesus says, come to me. I love the message paraphrase of that. He just says, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Am I living in proper rhythm or am I living in ways that are really benefiting me? and not necessarily the people around me that they need to. That's what it means to be self-aware. That that's how I can have a healthy relationship with myself. By being aware of, of how I'm accomplishing what we've read in those verses from Philippians today. Is my pride in check? Am I living in proper rhythm? The third thing is God wants you to have a healthy relationship with Him. By being more God-aware. Now, you're, I was going to say you're in church right now. You're actually in a building right now with the church. You are the church right now. But we kind of come here thinking that we're going to be God aware today. We're going to think about God. If you, have, if you are going to have a healthy relationship with God, we have to tune into his presence. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not just when you're here. It's when you leave here this afternoon. It's when, it's when tonight you're somewhere where you think, oh, I'm probably doing something I shouldn't do. Probably shouldn't bring God with me now. <laughs> He's with you. Regardless, we become more God aware when we have that relationship with Him by tuning into His presence, by relying on His power. By the way, if there are things that you're doing that you don't want God to know about, you shouldn't be doing them. I don't even know what they are. It doesn't matter what they are. If you're doing things you don't want him to know about, you shouldn't be doing them because guess what? He knows anyhow. And it's going to do nothing but cause you problems. So we tune into his presence, and that's sometimes a great deterrent. It's like, would I, would I like bring Jesus here? Maybe not. Then don't go there. We tune into his presence. He's with us. That's what it means to be aware. It's not just when we're here on Sundays. He's with us. We rely on his power. And I would say we think God thoughts intentionally because this is a choice. You have to choose to do this. Now, this is not the weirdness thing, all right? Sometimes how are you? I am phenomenal in God's spirit. And we try to make up words that sound religious. That's not what this means. It means we constantly fix our eyes on him. We are constantly looking to him. So that it's not something we have to think about as much because we're spending time with him. Remember? Jesus, coffee, repeat. Jesus, coffee, repeat. When we do that, we think of him more because we're starting our day with him, we're ending our day with him, we're thinking about him, and we don't have to... By the way, those, those religious words that sound really good when you're in a group of Christians, I'm just going to tell you, when you're in a group of people who aren't Christians, they sound really weird. And those aren't the things, when you use words that are from 1611, that doesn't bring somebody from 2019 into the kingdom and say, boy, I'd like to be like that. How about if we just live like Jesus? How about if we become more God aware and realize he's here right now in 2019 with me every day. How does he want me to live? How does he want me to be aware of his presence? Because here's the thing. Here's what life is, finding out what God's doing and joining him in it. That's what life is. What's he doing? It's not, what do I want to do? That's called pride. It's, what is God doing? 
How can I join him in that? How can I fix my eyes on him and think about that? Now, lest you think that um, this whole humility thing is not that big a deal. Some of you struggle with this. Some of you know you struggle with this. Some of you don't know you struggle with the whole pride thing. And if you want to come talk to me, I'll tell you that you do. And here's what I'm going to ask. Never let me be that person that's struggling with pride. Be the first one to come to tell me because I can't tell you how important this is. I can't emphasize it enough. Hundreds of times in the Bible it says this. I'm just going to read a half a dozen or so of them to you very quickly. These are not, they're not on your outlines. I, I think I put them up here, but I can't remember. <laughs> if they are fine. If not, here's Jesus' words. He sets the whole thing up. Those who exalt themselves, that, that's pride. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. I'll tell you what. I want to be in the second camp. I want to humble myself and let Jesus exalt me. Because if you're in the first camp, when you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. Everybody's going to obey this sermon someday. You just might not like how you have to obey it. In James 4, 6, James writes this. James, the brother of the one who said the first thing, Jesus. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God, this is scary, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So you want grace, you'll never get it with pride, ever. It only comes through, through humility and it says God opposes the proud. If you're a proud person, you're not in God's camp. He opposes you. Peter says the same thing. Verse 5, 1 Peter 5, all of you, I like how he says this, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to each other. That's what, that's what we, it's not just a put on like a fake thing. It's like, that's what we clothe ourselves in is humility. When we relate to each other, that's what it should be like. Remember, it's thinking of yourself less. It's thinking of other people more. He says, clothe yourself, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another for, and then he quotes the same thing. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. By the way, James and, and Peter are both quoting Proverbs 3.34. It's a, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. That's what it says there. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then in verse 6 of 1 Peter 5, it says, So, because God does that, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Too many people are so focused on lifting themselves up because they want to look better. And I would say it's not the right time. How about if you humble yourselves and let God lift you up at the right time? It works way better. James um, says this in verse uh, 10 of that chapter, chapter 4. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. He's quoting his brother, Jesus, his half-brother, Jesus at that time. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. And you know the flip side of that because Jesus said it. If, if you lift yourself up, he'll humble you. And you won't like it. Psalm 18.27 says this, God, you save the humble, but you bring down those who are proud. That's scary. He brings down those who are proud. This is probably, 
I've seen this over and over and over and over in others. I've unfortunately seen it in myself. And it's scary. Psalm 138 says, Though the Lord is great, and we, he, he had said how amazing God is, how incredible God is, how awesome He is. Though the Lord is great, He cares for the humble. He has that compassion, that action for the humble. But He keeps His distance from the proud. It's funny because I've met so many people with pride issues that think they're closer to God. They're amazing. Just ask them. <laughs> you don't even have to ask them. They'll tell you how amazing they are. This verse says, you know what? God is kind of like, okay, whatever. He doesn't have to lift us up. Yeah, we're lifting ourselves up. It says he keeps his distance from the proud. How that's played out in my life is when humility is not the thing that's in my life to the extent that it should be, I've discovered my connection with God is not what it should be. My relation with him, relationship with him is not what it should be. And it's not his fault. It's my fault. When I humble myself, I can have that relationship with him. This is a verse I, I learned in college, and it's huge. I got a joke that goes along with it, but I'm not going to share that today. But I'll share it with you sometime. Pride goes before destruction. By the way, this is one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. I've heard this quoted 10 to 1. Pride goes before fall. You ever heard that? Pride goes before fall. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. It said pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So it kind of comes out the same way. So where do you want to end up? Do you want to end up destruction? Do you want to end up fall? Then pride, by all means. If not, there's only one way, and that's humility. So here's your challenge for the week. Look around you. Be attentive and alert. Be mindful. Look for opportunities in your sphere of influence to make life more about relationships and less about your own comfort. Too many people are so concerned with how it's going to work out for them. Your assignment this week is, I'm not going to say, don't think of yourself. Don't think of yourself. I'm not going to say that because you know what you'll think of? Yourself. I'm going to tell you, think of others. You say, which others? I don't know. God does. And you will too. For some of you, I can pretty much guarantee whoever you thought right now would be the last person you'd want that to be, that's who God's going to ask you to think of this week. He's going to bring that person across your path, and you're going to say, really, God? And everybody in Walmart's going to look at you like, what is he talking about? Pay attention. Be mindful about how you can make life more about relationships and your own comfort. And we do that by realizing what Jesus did. He laid aside the privileges, not the attributes, the privileges of Godhood, to humble himself, and do something he didn't have to do. He died on a cross to provide salvation for us, to forgive our sins. He will rule and reign one day, and everyone will bow their knee. You can do it now in humility and spend eternity with him forever in heaven. Or you can choose not to do it now, and you will do it one day as you are separated from him for all eternity.
That's what the choice is. See, the bigger your view and appreciation of God is, when it's less about you and more about Him, the happier and the holier you will be in your life. Because we're focusing on Him. And that's what we do. Remember we talked last week about that divine infection. The closer we are to Him, the more we catch what He has. And the more we can be like that. I'm going to ask you to, to bow your heads as we, as we close in prayer here. I know, Father, that there are some here, um, there are some here who struggle with the, the whole pride thing. It keeps becoming something for them that, that causes them trouble. And, and they would be the first to say, yep, when I, when I lift myself up, he humbles me. My prayer, Father, is that, that everybody who's already stepped across that line from unbelief to belief and claimed Jesus as Savior, has Jesus becoming Lord of their life, that they would realize that we need to focus on him and we need to focus on others. And, and instead of worrying about ourselves, instead of tooting our own horn, instead of puffing ourselves up, instead of telling how amazing we are, we need to be telling the story of how amazing you are to people who need to hear that. And Father, for those who've never come into that relationship with you yet, they, they can't focus on you because they don't know you. Maybe they've been burned by church or religion in the past. Maybe they've just never experienced what it is to, to understand how much you love them, that you would, you would willingly put aside all of that to become one of us so that you could die for us because the wages of sin is death. And instead of us having to pay for it, that maybe they're realizing for the first time today that you humbled yourself and you became one of us and you did that because you loved them. And then in simple faith, they could trust Jesus and they could say, I'm, I'm giving up. I'm surrendering. I'm, I'm choosing to be humble. I'm placing myself under you, Jesus. I believe what you did was for me. Knowing, Father, that that will not just be something that, that has a change in their life today, but that will have echoes throughout all eternity. Father, thank you for what you've done for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. Here's what I'm looking forward to with all my heart. When Jesus says to me, well done, good and faithful servant, Come on in and let the party begin. I can't wait. But you know what? I want, I want all of you to be a part of that. This week, this is the last week for this. Make sure you get your baby bottle in. We'll get them as soon as possible to the Pregnancy Resource Center, just in case. Some of you don't know this. We had a few people brought them in early, and there were six of them stolen when we had our break-in last week. Our Redeemer announced and took an offering and brought money to us last week to reimburse for this. And the men's Bible study, or the men's prayer meeting that meets on Wednesday morning, dropped in and handed me another envelope and said, we also took an offering. So now we, we have joint credit for the number one. We will have the number one spot with another church on that. So that's, isn't that just amazing? I absolutely love that. That doesn't happen if there's pride.
I'm going to leave you with this. Though the Lord is great, He cares for the humble, but He keeps His distance from the proud. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Humble yourself before the Lord. He will lift you up. So choose humility. When inside you feel like it's all about you, choose humility. Happy Father's Day. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us, for for choosing to humble yourself, to take on the form of a servant so that you could willingly give your life for us. Father, thank you for that. Help us to have that same attitude, that same mind that Christ Jesus had, to humble ourselves, to think less of ourselves, not less of ourselves, to think of ourselves less, to think of others more, to be able to share your incredible story. Father, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.